Thank you for listening to the Forefront Church Podcast. We are a gospel-driven church in southwest, southwest Denver. Our focus is to help people find their way back to God. We do this through loving God, loving others, so that together we can change the world. This show is hosted by Drew Tarwater, and I'm Rob Belazzi. Drew! Hey, Rob. It's good to be with you again. Yeah, it's been a while. It has been. Excited. Uh, we have a special guest on today. We do. Yeah, really excited to welcome our special guest tonight. Uh, a couple Sundays ago at Forefront Church, we uh, were able to welcome Reverend Dr. Laren Jackson uh, to join us as we just had a discussion about uh, some really important topics as we talked about race and equality and justice and hope and the road to change. And it was such a great discussion and the feedback was so positive. I wanted to get uh, Laren back on the podcast, Rob, so we could pick his brain a little bit, continue the conversation and kick around some ideas. I'm excited because I missed it that night. So Do- Reverend Dr. Jackson, I'm excited to talk to you here and hear, hear from you for the first time. Well, good. I'm glad to be with you all and uh, and continue to what I define as moving forward in advancing the kingdom of God through Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Um, so often we we see we see events, but we don't always respond to those events by the Spirit of Christ. You know, it's, it's okay to be angry. Uh, but I, the word that I read is be angry, but don't sin, mm. which is hard for human beings <laughs> <Absolutely>. to do. <laughs> when I'm angry by nature, I, I want to attack. <laughs> no doubt. So, Amen. No, yeah, so, so, yeah. We were yeah, talking so, a little. But I'm glad to be with you tonight. Yeah, okay. so good to have you with us, Laren. Absolutely. We were talking a little right. bit before we started recording here. You, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, you have a Missouri background there playing football. Right, yeah. I'm originally from uh, the inner city of St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, you know, I uh, grew up in a in a, a time of segregation growing up in St. Louis. Uh, but I, I I was blessed in terms of having adults around me that uh, gave me strength, fortified my life, pointed me in the right direction. I was I was far from a perfect uh, child growing up. There's a lot of life issues there, but. Um, through it all, um, I was blessed with, uh, many gifts and one of which was, uh, the ability to play football at a, uh, very high level. That's awesome. I was a high school All-American in 1966 and one of the top 10 offensive linemen in the nation, uh, ended up going to the University of Missouri at Columbia and playing for Dan Devine and, um, after that, uh, made two-time All-American at Mizzou and M-I-Z. played in the NFL for eight years. Yeah. Oh, so I, I actually got this is probably one of the more deep, deep theological questions I have for you. So, what do you think of the Broncos' offensive line this year? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm hoping they're better. Um, you know, and you, you have to to recognize that as a hot, as an offensive line, the five people up front have to play as play as one hand. Yeah. Right. And they all have to be in sync and know what's going on in terms of blocking schemes or the possibilities of what defenses can do to you to be disruptive. So you have to you have to be working together uh, in terms to to make it work. So I I think the Broncos have the uh, workings of an offensive line that can be better than they were last year. I'm looking forward to that. Well, Laren, you know, as you and I both being uh, Missouri Tiger grads, uh, we're pretty excited. Even even to have Drew Locke in a Bronco uniform, it's going to be exciting to see a local Mizzou guy yeah. here in town. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping he he looked very good uh, in his rookie year, which is which is a good sign. Um, and I'm hoping that he will take the necessary steps to improve. One of the things that he has going for him if you can believe the papers, is that he's very studious about the work he's doing, and he's spending a lot of time studying films and looking at his own play last year and looking at what it's going to take for him to prove and take and improve and take the next step. So I'm I'm looking forward to the season. Absolutely. So then I got to ask one more one more offensive line question because it's one of right. the most overlooked, like taken for granted. Just like, just get some big guys out there to block, right? Like, what's the most overlooked right. thing? Like, it's a very technical position. Like, what, what, when you're watching, right. what do you see on the offensive line play that most people don't? 
Well, most of the time I'm looking. Well, I, I, the, I'm, I'm aware of what down and distance is, right, okay. when I'm watching a game. And I can anticipate what I think may happen based on down and distance. Uh, but one of the things that you look for in the offensive line, either in run or pass, is the, the technique in terms of there are certain things. There are certain things you must do to move people. And the wonderful thing about playing offensive line is you you are forced to move people against their will, which you get a lot of satisfaction out of. You know, it's like defense is there to stop you. Your job is to move them and or to protect the quarterback. So, um, so as you, as you look at the play down distance situation, you also watch the techniques that's being used in those situations for, for the offensive line. Absolutely. Did you ever coach football then? Did I, have I coached before? Yeah. You seem like a coach. Well, uh, what people don't realize is that second only to quarterback, uh, in terms of knowledge of the offense, is the offensive line absolutely? That's right. 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 So we have to we have to know the play, right? We don't you know if it's a running play, we know where the ball, what holes the ball is supposed to go in. We don't have to know the pass routes, but we can tell you uh, when the play is called, what what the coach sent in, what the coach is thinking, just simply based on what he called and how we got to block it. So no, yeah. absolutely. So, so, Rob, that means when we get the forefront flag team together, absolutely. Laren, you're going to be our head coach. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if I have time for head coach. But I'll <laughs> we'll send you the game film. How about that? Be like, hey, don't that's sound right. like coach. Yeah, that's so, right. So you went, you went from Big 8 champion to Reverend Dr. Uh-huh. Lauren Jackson. Well, tell me about that transition from going yeah. from – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that – that uh, that transition <laughs> was not intentional on my part. <laughs> Sounds like God I, had his handiwork. I, I, yeah, I had no uh, idea of ever entering in ministry. Uh, when I grew up, I had a lot of passion for fighting for what was right, fair, and just. I, I'm a product of the civil rights era. Okay. Uh, and so uh, my family was very active in the civil rights movement in St. Louis. Uh, even at the University of Missouri, I'm one of the founding members of the Legion of Black Collegians oh, wow. um, for Mizzou, and that was back in 69. And so I've, I've always had a conscious of activism for fighting for what's right fair and just uh in the in the nfl i'm one of the people who sued the nfl for what you now know is free agency the lawsuit is called the mackey versus roselle really lawsuit and if you look at the plaintiffs in that lawsuit you'll see l jackson broncos well that's me right oh, wow and so it was I've always had a, 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 a spirit that says I would rather fight and perish than yield in to evil and uh, let it rule over me. And now it's that same passion uh, that would eventually lead me into ministry. So that was never my course. Uh, but in my Growing up, in my growing into life, I uh, I recognized my final year in the NFL that that God was calling me uh, to to the work of the ministry. I you know, it's not like that was what I wanted to do, but I I couldn't deny what was going on. <laughs> Interesting. So then, what came yeah. first, the Reverend or the Doctor? Uh, Reverend comes first. Uh, I was ordained. In actually in '82, I earned my doctorate in '95. Uh, oh right? wow! So I, yeah, my undergrads at Mizzou, my master's is from Emory in Atlanta, Candler School of Theology, and uh, my doctorate is from United in Dayton, Ohio. Um, and the focus of my doctoral work was curriculum development for the African-American church and community, which is about strategic planning and addressing the ills and issues that impact people's lives. Amazing. So that's really the 
focus, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Laren, as we as we spent some time a couple of Sundays ago talking, I think, you know, everybody was really, um, really responded really well to some of your personal experiences. And, um, sure, you know, sure. as we think about your passions, your passion right. for, uh, for, for justice and for advancement, and tell us a little bit about who some of your heroes have been. Who's inspired you in your life? Who, who's made an impact on you? Yeah, I, I uh, in terms of really a consciousness of, uh, fighting for social justice and human rights growing up in St. Louis. I had an uncle who was very passionate. His name was Martin Cole. Mm. And um, he was always a civil rights activist. And uh, so he he inspired me, but, but even the more, he mentored 32 young boys by himself. Wow. Uh, and he set standards for us to go by. Uh, but he also strengthened us in terms of being willing to stand firm when we were fighting for rights and, and what's fair and just. Uh, you know, when I would go up to Mizzou, I played for Dan Devine. And Dan Devine um, had, a, had a true sense of what's right, fair, and just and he lived by that. Uh, he directed the team by that. Uh, when we formed the Legion of Black Collegians, and I marched on the chancellor's office and sat in his door, Coach Devine never said one word to me about any of it. We just went on like it was something that we needed to do, and, mm. and he upheld me <laughs> in, in the process. So there, there have been numerous people who um, – who have played major roles in my life in terms of advancing, fighting for what's right, fair, and just. And the when you're when you're living into the faith, right, even following Christ, you're always called to stand for what you understand to be right, fair, mm-hmm. and just, and to do that in the spirit of Christ. And so um, that's how you know that has brought me to even to where I am right now. Yeah. Do you find it like I love that you're talking about like fighting for what's right and just when mm-hmm. the, in, a, in a world today where it's you and where it seems like the United States is less Christian or God believing than ever. Is it harder to have those mm-hmm. conversations within people? And how, how do you define the basis for what's right and wrong? Oh, uh, I, my, my foundation does not move. Uh, I, uh, believe in the, in the Bible as the word of God. Uh, and I believe that Christ calls you to speak, tell, to tell the truth in love, and mm-hmm. to uh, address the issues and ills that are, are a part of the human context, but to, to address those issues and ills by the guidance of his Spirit in us. Uh, and that in and of itself, right, mm-hmm. comes with... <laughs> the calls to suffer. It comes with the call to recognize that evil is real and it will fight back. Absolutely. But because it fights back does not cause you to shy away. In fact, it makes you be more relenting and trying to help evil to understand that it cannot prevail. Do you find it then in conversations that you have about right, wrong, you know, fighting for justice with the group that may not have Christ as a background. What what mm-hmm. do you use to sort of as like the backbone of of going? How do you know, like defining the difference between right and wrong? Because if someone doesn't believe we're image bearers of God, you know, He breathed life into us. We're all equal in His sight. Mm-hmm. There's right. there's some there's some core baseline things that people may differ on, but yet it's like defining right in a subjective world. Yeah, well, see, one of the things, and, and I've run into that quite often, and here's, here's, basically I operate this way. I am not trying to literally define your rights. That, for me, comes from a power greater than me. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. My job is to live into what I understand is right, and trust the power of God to speak into the situation in terms of where they, wherever we differ. One, one of the things is, is that following, doing what's right, fair, and just, you, you, you speak to people out of love and caring and, and, and honesty. 
And so you may not embrace that, but that doesn't negate my efforts to try to reach you uh, in the midst of our, our in the midst of our difference. Uh, and so where you are when we are dialoguing may not be where you'll stay at another incident, right? Because life is constantly unfolding. Mm -hmm. I have to speak the truth in love. I have to speak the truth in honesty. I am not responsible for making you believe this truth. That power has to come from somewhere greater than me. And I have to be firm in the midst of our differences, right? I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to politic and negotiate. (laughs) I'm speaking of what I understand, the foundation of which I, on which I stand in terms of what's right and wrong and how how I live into the faith. How do I honor God in my living? All right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good, Laren. Yeah. You know, Laren, yeah. obviously there's been a lot of conversations that have been going on the past several weeks and conversations, right. um, you know, many different venues across the board. What is your opinion? Right. Have you been encouraged by the conversations that have been occurring? Um, are are, uh, are these are, are the voices that are engaged the right voices? Uh, what, what what's your opinion on on what you're hearing so far as we talk about racial reconciliation and how we can pursue justice and righteousness together? Right. Well, I I think that as you as as it so often is with movements, right or uh, people finding a theme to rise up, right? I, I don't think any of that's coincidental, right? I think it's always the movement of the spirit in how these things happen. And in the midst of it all, we may have a common theme in terms of what's right, fair, and just, which is good. But even our understanding of that may differ even if we're on the same side, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one of the things that you have to be clear about is why you are there. What is it that you bring? What is it that you're trying to say and do? And how do you feel the sense of God leading you, right, and guiding you? Um, because when you, you, you must have a foundation that doesn't move that's not swayed one way or the other in terms of what is the sentiment of the moment of people, because people as well-meaning as they are, but they'll, they'll vacillate back and forth on whatever the issue is based on what their needs are, what the climate is or what powers that they're confronted with. Absolutely. And, and so you have to understand where you're standing, why you're standing there and trust the spirit that has led you there in spite of, uh, the trials, the dangers, whatever the cost is of discipleship that you have to pay to stand there and say what you say. So in terms of being encouraged by seeing people do things, I will say yes, but understand crowd mentalities are often momentary. And when the issue, quote unquote, society, the crowd dissipates and goes away. But when we are grounded in the spirit of Christ, we're focused on what is right by the word of God and how do we operate in that. And that doesn't die. That prepares you to continue to live this out and live this faith out just continuously over against the forces that would otherwise be fighting against you. Right. Mm-hmm. So you don't, you don't get so caught up in the crowd, in the movement. Because a lot of that is about momentary emotions and understanding. But when you are fighting for what's right, fair, and just, you prepare yourself for the pain, the heartaches, the struggles to get you where you're trying to go over against the forces that you'll encounter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good, Larry. Absolutely. It reminds me like when right. uh, when we were, I forget the verse where it talks about being sober-minded. Where it's like, be mm-hmm. be controlling of your mind. Don't get you know swept away with a mob. Don't you know? Right, right. Yeah, don't let it get too yeah, emotional. The, and... Right, and 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 those who are moved by the moment, remember other moments are coming, <laughs> so they'll be moved again. <laughs> right, right. Uh, 
and there are those, I'll use Martin Luther King, for example. You know, all the times he, you know, would encounter death threat, all the times he would have to go to jail, all the time he was beaten by mobs, all the times that he was, he and his family were threatened with death. And I had the privilege of knowing uh, Coretta Scott King. She was one of my professors at, in seminary at mm, Emory okay. uh, University. And I knew Daddy King, uh, Martin Luther's father. Right. But Coretta Scott King talked about the man, Martin, who was grounded in that which he was saying. And he knew that at some point it would cost him his life. Wow. Right. That's not simply because he just wanted to die, but he wanted to live into the faith to and live out the convictions. And if you do that, then there will be forces that exist in the world that will try to kill you. That's that's mm. the that's the work of evil. And so as you look at movements, quote unquote, what is your foundation and does that foundation does it stand firm or does it move, right? right. Know, so one of the things we often talk about is how do you negotiate uh, one thing or another? Well, yeah, there's some give and take and understanding, but what you what you can't negotiate is what you understand to be right and wrong from your foundation in which you look at the world to determine right and wrong, right? No, absolutely. You mentioned your doctorate was in... Uh, curriculum studies for African Americans, or help, help me clarify right. that again. Curric yeah, curriculum development for the African American church and community. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, right. And knowing now, like what we've gone through over the last few months, like what would right. you see as developing, or what you could help develop, or what would you want to, I should say, maybe develop that could help, yeah, help in continual change. But it, yeah, it, it's it, in terms of Speaking to what's going on, I would say to to those who I would be who would be my audience, right, is that as you look at the issues that are yet before you, right, you have to look not only at the issue, but you have to look at the depths of the matter and the grounding. So. How do you begin to speak into people's lives that they will see that which you're talking about and then relate it to, or let me say it another way, you live out your faith in terms of that which you do, which in, in as, the, as it calls for in that particular situation. So as you talk about curriculum development, curriculum development is about um, developing um, curriculum that speaks to the culture and the context in which you find yourself in terms of trying to help better people's lives according to what you understand is the foundation of the Word of God, right? And so it it is applicable to all situations, but how you move it in a particularity may be different in one community or another, right? Mm. Yeah, that's good. You know, Laren, there's there's been a lot said about about change, and you know, we talked a couple Sundays ago, and and we said that you know one of the right. uh, one of the discussion points right now is um, you know political, right? So what what laws must change? What right. some uh, you know rules regulations must change? As you look at at this movement, um, you know this this movement of of ra racial reconciliation, this conversation. Right. What do you right. see as some of the the most important maybe pillars to change that can lead to lasting change and 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 you know maybe um, avoid this being something that continually circles back around every so often? What really what can we do as a nation to to see long term lasting change put forth and and move forward? You know, there's a couple of things that I. When dealing with this question, I always set before people. When you look at, quote, unquote, laws um, that need to be changed, things that need to be implemented, too often we see that in a vacuum 
as a momentary event rather than looking at the systemic roots of that evil and recognize how that evil has been galvanized and institutionalized in the behavior of human beings over a long period of time, right? And so when you do that, you recognize the depths of the systemic ills that you're fighting with. And so how do you begin the process of chipping away at those ills uh, in terms of its foundation? How do you speak into the lives of those who are affected by it as well as those who are perpetuating it? Right. And, and so you there there there's not a moment. There's not a one point kind of thing. It is a recognition that uh, it's just like when the doctor sees cancer in your body. Well, the doctor sees the cancer. It, it, it may be in your stomach. But the doctor says, if I don't do something about that cancer, it's going to spread to your liver and it's going to spread to other organs. Well, that's how that's how we have to see injustice. It may get a foothold in one aspect of society for whatever reason or another, but if you don't stop it, it's going to continue to perpetuate this society. And so when you look at America, right, in terms of, of the laws that have been passed and all these kinds of things, well, you've passed laws, but you can't legislate love and respect laws don't manifest your love right laws just provide guidelines for which you'd operate and so you are looking for yes to have the laws on your side but you need a power greater than law to transform Mm -hmm. people's lives amen and so you can speak where the law says these are the guidelines these are the boundaries but how do you trust the powers that you trust in faith to allow you to be the voice of spreading or um, making real that that faith in lies, it goes beyond laws. It goes beyond quick fixes. It goes beyond the immediate. You're talking about unraveling uh, years of systemic evil that has manifested in itself, even in well-meaning people, right? Because it's not that we started it, quote-unquote. It's just that's the way it is, (laughs) and it's been that way. For the last hundred years. Well, nobody's questioning whether it's right or wrong. It's, it's just there, and it's, it's privileged. And so as you begin to look at the strategy for addressing whatever issue or yield that you're dealing with, you have to, you have to understand the systemic uh, issues that you're dealing with and how do you begin to speak into those lives of people who are caught up in that that don't even realize that they're caught up in it, right? It's just normal. Right. It's just part of lives. Right. In in terms of uh, growing up in St. Louis, it, it was it is just real clear that for white folks to call black folks niggers, it, 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 it wasn't mean. It's just that's who you are. Mm. Right. That's the way we respond. That's the way we respond. We refer to you. Right. Not ever thinking about what that means to you. Right. Wow. <laughs> but it's just right. the way it is. And mm. so. When when you feel led of the spirit to start to address these issues and ills, you still have to do it in love. You still have to do it in caring, but you speak truth. Uh, when I was flying to Atlanta uh, this morning, uh, it was a lady sit down, white lady sit down next to me, and you know I you, I was sitting there, and so she. She said, just out the blue, who do you think about the climate of America today? (laughs) And so for the next hour and a half, we would be talking about the climate of America. And I'm saying the climate of America today did not start today. (laughs) The climate of America started when uh, white English people came over from Europe to America and continue to perpetuate the values of enslavement that were that they were carrying out in England and Europe and it just became a continual way of life right and so so as you begin to peel back the the, the layers of injustice 
you will continue to see that there's more to fight. However, you're still called to fight and address whatever it is, but don't look for the quick fix. Mm. Be in it for the full fight. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And trust God to lead you in it. So. Absolutely. One of the, I would say one of the tensions I have with it, when you go, I mean, I like the analogy you had, like when you look for a cancer, but the cancer is something definite in someone's body. A doctor sees it and goes, there's the spot. We right. have to remove that spot. And it's, whether through chemo or surgery, they can do it, right. and it can be done precisely. But right. when you're talking about injustice, it's not a one precise right. thing because it's a multivariable equation, and you're trying. And, right. and there's more than one variable to solve because you may fix one variable or right. be moving it in the right direction, but there's so many other variables that it, then it's not. It's like it, you're going in the right direction, but things still look broken. So right and and. Yeah, go ahead. So the, the question I had then is like kind of leading into it was like, what's the, uh, there's, it seems like both sides in any racial thing believe lies. Where the lie, right. it's like, what lies on both sides do you see that people either have their heel, heels dug into that you're like, this is, it's a lie that you believe. And why are, you know, if you, once you, because I worked with kids that were in a lockup facility in Detroit. There were kids that, right. you know, and you could just daily conversation with, with them, they believed lies. And you're going, right. how, how do I get you to realize that you believe a lie? So what are those some of those that we can sort of start trying to recognize in society that are lies? Yeah. See, here, and here, here's what I would respond to that, right? I'm not going to continue to argue with you about the lies you believe. I'm going to tell you about my living into the faith in which I'm grounded, and I'm going to speak that truth in ways that I trust God will help us to hear one another and understand that uh, my job is to speak the truth to you and define how and tell you what I understand the whole basis of our disagreement is. Now, we still may disagree, but there has to be a power greater than me and you that's interceding into this conversation that we have to trust as, as it unfolds. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it, that is what gives you the ongoing determination, right? Look, mm -hmm. look at King again, look at those throughout history who have been fighting for right, what's fair and just both white and black, right. Mm -hmm. Through, through the years. Right. And it's like the conversation is not the quick fix. It is the perpetuation of saying these evils exist and we have to bring a stop to them. Even where others would say or disagree with you and say, well, this has been here for a long time and it's going to take forever to fix it. Well, we don't have forever, but we can do what we have to do in the time we have. But my job is to keep telling you the truth in love and not yield to the evil. Right. So I, I will resist the evil. And you will try to press it up on me, and I will resist it. And so we will be in constant conflict, right, and, until one or the other side uh, recognizes what is the source of all of this, right? And, and that's, where you, that's where you end up. So I, I applaud, quote, unquote, the laws that have been passed. But those laws were passed for personhood. Those laws were not passed to change people was heart right, right. and right. so we, yeah, we, we're going to go on we're going to continue this for those of us who are in Christ we are called to live by his spirit in speaking to the world right and and trust the Holy Spirit to be the agent of transformation right absolutely and so that's so my task until I am no more is to declare the truth that I understand and trust God uh, to certify that truth by God's own power. Now, how God does that and ways he does that, it comes out of his sovereignty. It's, it's, it's not all about my humanity. My humanity is not moving away from what I understand to be the will of God for a compromise for something on earth, right? Right, yeah. Now, that's good, Laren. You know, when we... Yeah. Um, 
you know, I love how you, you you mentioned it there that you said that you you know you can't pass law you, you can pass laws but you can't legislate love and respect and I think you and no, I have, you and I have talked about before that this isn't a right. a political issue necessarily it's a theological no. issue right it, yeah. it it's yeah, it the is. heart of man it's spiritual right yeah. huh and, and yeah. so um, you know I love that idea that 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 you shared that you know we um, we need to be transformed and not conform. And so once we can right. be transformed by God's word, and then, then we can be the one, the ones that go and transform. And, and I right. love that, you know, and you yeah. talked about personhood and, and making, making all people know that they are, you know, image bearers of God, that, that everybody has personhood. And, and you spoke a little bit two Sundays ago about just some of the, the feelings of exclusion regarding the Declaration of Independence and the Pledge of Allegiance and some of those those things sure. really the bedrocks of, of America. Yeah. And uh, right. we had a question right. that came in from uh, our church audience, which I thought was, was good. Uh, you know, we've I've got a close right. friend that, you know, is a Native American and, um, you know, a lot of similar feelings towards um, the, the treatment of and, and that personhood ideal. How do right. we make this discussion, these conversations we're having, one that includes all, all people groups, all races, um, do you feel like, are, are you satisfied with the discussion as it is? Does it feel like it is including everybody? Or are there things that we can do to make sure that everybody's brought into the conversation? Yeah. What I would say is to whomever I'm talking, right, doesn't matter. I must be governed and guided by the foundation by which I live, right? And that, for me, is the Word of God. I, I, I must be guided. Amen. Right? right. Now, how soon or how effective that conversation is going to be, right, is not solely up to me and the words that I use. It is me saying what I understand to be right, fair, just, in accordance with the Word of God, and trusting God to be the intercessor in the conversation. And so it's not about reaching a place of satisfaction as it is that you and I might be vessels of transformation, right? And it is God who continues to speak into the situation wherever we find ourselves. And if you look back historically, there has been a sovereign hand that's been there through all of the conflicts and changes. Though, for many of us, we deemed it just too slow. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't come fast enough. Right. But... But the, but the continuation process is unending. Why? Because evil is unending, right? right? And, and so we will constantly be engaged in that until Christ comes. And, and so when we talk about strategies, what is the strategy based on? Well, if I read my Bible cor- correctly, it's about love. It's about Amen. patience. It's about... Uh, learning to speak to truth to love and, and, and face the illness and the issues that come out of being uh, confronting the evil in the world. And, 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 and don't miss this, too, the evil that's in us, right? The, we're, we're part of this world, and we have evil in us that, has to, that we have to open up to Christ to speak into our lives. Right. So we are first trend are constantly being transformed because we don't reach a final place of transformation on this side, but we are constantly being called towards where it is God is calling us to in terms of what it is that God wants us to do in the time that God places us here and uses us for it. So, so one of the things that we can talk about the progression of what we see as quote unquote immediate, right. Or what we deem to be the most important in this transformation process, in this process of addressing the issues. Well, you can, you can proceed that way. But understand there's always one more challenge until Christ comes. Mm. And so 
not, you know, we often see seeing in the black church, don't get weary. Well, when you're fighting for what's right, fair, and just, it takes a whole lot of energy out of you. I could imagine. <laughs> and you do get weary. Sure. <laughs> and so, because there's always one more battle to fight. There's always one more task of, mm. of evil. One of the things I tell people is evil is unrelenting. Right. It, right. It, it, it does not want to be defeated. For those of, of us who bear the name of Christ, we have to meet the unrelenting uh, spirit of evil with the unrelenting spirit of Christ. Right. <laughs> Amen. For That's that right. which we're called to do. So, so it's not about simply the one. It, it is to recognize that even those of us, of people who are goodwill and following Christ, we're still human beings and we're still flawed and we got stuff in us that the Holy Spirit has to bring to the surface for us to see as part of our being a vessel that God can use for the investment of his kingdom. So. Absolutely. I got, I got a question or a theory, I guess, to run by you to sort of get your opinion on it. Is uh, like This is from my point of view. You see churches over the years, there's just more and more denominations, groups, sects, whatever you want to call it in churches, where to me it looks mm-hmm. like Satan divided the church. And then it looks like he's now dividing culture. It's like if, if we can't stand together, we're not going to be able to stand against him. If, right. Do, am I off here or is it sort of, you know, obviously you're looking back. Well, uh, yeah. You know, well, one, one of the things, let's go, let's go right back to who, who the church is, right? Right. We are the church, right? We are the believers in Christ. We're the visible body. And and so, as I read my Bible, Satan does not have greater power than Christ. Christ has the prevailing power. Mm-hmm. You and I are dealing with issues on earth where Satan tries to speak into our lives and derail us from that which Christ would have us do. That's part of his strategy, right, is to come unrelentingly, always trying to pressure against us to make us give up on the hope of Christ in us, right? Mm-hmm. And so it is not that Satan is greater because he's not, right? What happens is our humanity gives in to the conflict, it gives in to the problems, it gives in to the evils, quote-unquote, and that begins to wear us down, right? Absolutely. And so as you and I fight back against that, we not only grow stronger in our faith, but we are fortified for the fight, Mm, right? Right. Right. And therefore... You and I need never raise the flag of surrender to the enemy, mm. right? Because he's not greater than Christ. Amen. We in our flesh and our mortal bodies, we are we are constantly being confronted, right? right? You know, we're also not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. So what do we do? Well, we put on this whole armor of God. To what, in, to what extent that we should live into the faith? How often? Continuously, every day, until Christ calls us from time to eternity. And so mm. I think sometimes we get caught up on the particular around a certain time. But it is the foundation of the faith that ought to motivate us as we face, face the challenge of life and however it comes, recognizing that it's not going to end until Christ comes. Mm. But we are called to confront it every day. Amen. Yeah, Laren, you know, that, that verse from Ephesians 6, 12, as you just quoted, you know, that's just, it, it, it is a, it is behind, behind the scenes, a, a spiritual battle, right? It's a, there's the spiritual right. warfare that, that we as the church are right. facing. And, you know, as, right. as we've said before, uh, you know, it, this being a theological issue, this being a, a, a spiritual battle, a spiritual warfare that the church really has mm-hmm. to be the, has to be the, the battlefront and the place that leads to change. Would you say then, right. Laren, that uh, one of the maybe the the greatest weapons that we have in the the spiritual warfare battle we are in, especially when it comes to uh, to to 
the reconciliation aspect is unity within the church. Is that really the, the, the greatest weapon we have to start fighting with? Well, let, let me say this. I would say it is the greatest, it, greatest weapon that we have is the spirit of Christ that indwells us as a visible body. When you and I start looking at denominations, right, because I, I, I declare the church to be the body, right? Uh, now, our denominational slants in terms of our, our human denomination, those two are flawed in the sense of who it is that has given the basis for the, our denominations and how we are to work into them, as well, may, as well meaning as they may be. Sure. They're flawed by who we are. So my question, I try very hard never to deviate from what I understand to be what the Word of God says, right, uh, as opposed to uh, a particular slant on a particular denomination. And, and so for me, that keeps me focused, not, quote, unquote, that I'm right or don't mess up or don't err. No, I'm not saying any of that. I'm saying my my focus on the foundation doesn't change. Yes, we are constantly dealing with human beings who have all kinds of, whose lives have been shaped by all kinds of issues and traumas and trials and the way that they grew up through life, right? So we, we have all these dynamics in play, right? But you need to have a foundation that doesn't move. Amen. That foundation will stabilize you against all the changing issues and ills that keep coming your way, because you'll have the, you'll have a response to it. Right? You're not you're not going to say based on this. This is where I stand. Right. Until I until I understand something different, I'm not moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I understand something. Amen. My hope is to live into Christ. That's and right. to be a vessel to whom he can speak here on earth, as flawed and as messed up in my humanity as I am, my aim is yet Christ. Mm. <laughs> Amen. Right. And, Amen. And I'm willing to lay prostrate and take my whooping. Because <laughs> <laughs> there are days when I miss the mark, and I'm okay. You come get some holy hiney, God, because I blew it today. <laughs> 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 I'm pleading for mercy and forgiveness and all of that. But I also recognize that I need to be transformed, mm. right, each day. I, I'm, I'm so incomplete and so flawed in my humanity, right? Amen. So. Well, and that's that, the recognition of, of who we are in Christ and preaching the gospel to ourselves every day it really humbles us and helps us keep, keep our right. eyes on him above all other things. Right, right. Yeah. And, and, it, and it equips you for dealing with the forces around you. You know, it's, it's like the person who say, well, church don't mean nothing. Well, to that person, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> sure, it's right. It, you're right. It doesn't mean anything to you. But my job is to still be the church hmm. and allow the Spirit of God to be to speak into the lives, first mine and then to whoever he, he would have me speak, that he will ultimately draw others into him uh, by faith in Jesus Christ. Mm. So, I mean, my, that's my job. Right. You know, it's like, church don't mean nothing. Y'all, y'all just as bad <laughs> as the folks in the world. Well, yeah, that's where we came from. <laughs> we came from the world. Right. Into the church. <laughs> right. Um. So, yeah, we got some world in us. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. My Larry. brothers, I'm going to have to get, get well, yeah, give up here. Too. You bet. I've got to get to another meeting. Well, Larry, we yeah. thank you so much for coming on with us tonight. It's been so helpful, and right. thank you for all that right. you do. Uh, you were, we're praying for you as you lead out here and, and speak and right. uh, point um, point us and um, you know the the individuals that you're having conversations with about change to Jesus and advancing His kingdom right. and, and keeping our eyes on Him. And, uh, and and keeping us moving forward. So thank you, my friend. I really appreciate your time okay. tonight. And before we let, you, we let you go, is there anything we left out, anything you want to say, just to um, give you the last no, word? No, not, not in particular. I, I'm, I'm thankful for you all inviting me to come and to talk, and I hope that something that we talked about 
um, as meaning for you, may perhaps given you some insight, uh, raise some more questions, all of which are good as, as we set our course for following Christ, right? Um, what we want to do is walk with and among brothers and sisters who are in search of what it is that the Lord would have us say and do in this world while we're here. And so um, the older I get, uh, the more peace I have with that process mm. because I am not called to be the greatest Christian in the world. I'm called to be Christian and to follow Christ and to whatever end that leads and have peace in that, trying to do that. Yeah. Amen. Absolutely. And when you get back in town here, I'm going to invite you over to Drew's backyard. We'll come over to have a cookout. I feel like we can talk for hours about this stuff. Oh, man, we could. Also, Drew, don't let me forget. Uh, I, I told you I was going to bring you a copy of my book and, and didn't bring it last that last Sunday we were together. So I'll get you a copy of that. You can read it, and uh, we can talk about it. Oh, that sounds great, Laren. I, I look forward to reading that, and I look forward to seeing you again, my friend, when you get back to town and, and keeping the conversation right. going. If, if someone wanted to find the uh, book right now, where would they find it? Uh, you, have, you have to get it from me. Okay. Um, yeah, it, uh, it, the cost of the book is $25, um, and it's called The Ghetto, The Gridiron, and The Gospel, oh, wow. A Journey in God's Grace. If you look up my name online, uh, it'll show you my book cover along with a whole bunch of other stuff that I don't know how they got it, where they got it from. We can put the, your we'll, email address in, we'll the, link in the, the show notes. We'll link it in the description here. And one, one more last yeah. question I got to ask before we go. Sorry for keeping you a little bit longer than okay. expected. Uh, Broncos, okay. Broncos record this year, what is it? <sighs> I'm going to say... Oh, I think I think we're gonna have to win ten games to get in the playoffs. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna say ten and six or eleven and five. Ten and six, eleven and five. We'll take it. AFC West is gonna be a race this year, my friend. Yeah, I think I think we're I think we're gonna be I think we're gonna be in the hunt. I think you know, and and, and as sad as it was, we finished second in the division last year. <laughs> I'll, I'll take being I'll, I'll take being in the hunt. I'm a Dolphin yeah. fan, okay? Right. So I'll take being in the hunt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so we we got to you know we'll see. Um, <laughs> well, Aaron, it's been so good, my friend. I really appreciate the time, uh, blessings, right. and uh, we'll be praying okay. for you and look forward to talking soon. All right, be blessed, all both of you, man. Good. Good meeting you, my brother, by phone. Look forward to meeting you face-to-face. -face. Absolutely. We'll, meet, we'll, we'll make it happen in Drew's backyard. Yep. We're going to cook out. We're going to grill out. It's going to be good. Get your cornhole arm ready. Get your... <laughs> All right. You all be All right, Laren. Talk to you all soon, right, my thank friend. Thank you, sir. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. So if you find yourself in the southwest Denver area and you'd like to see what Forefront Church is all about, for more information, check us out, forefrontchurch.tv. Yeah, thank you guys for joining us here tonight on the Forefront Church Podcast, where we ask Jesus, be big in our lives, in our church, and in our world. Blessings.